Soup, super tasty soup, super spicy carrot and coriander. Chili chowder, crouton, crouton, crunchy friends in a liquid broth. I am gazpacho, oh, I am a summer soup. Mm. Miso, miso, fighting in the dojo. Miso, miso, oriental prince in the land of soup. Get ready! Woo! We are tour, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive! This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. Another tournament with multiple courses, and of course, two of them are absent of shot link data. This is the breakdown of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and the cut line's going to give you pure fuego. For those of you that don't speak Spanish, that's fire. Hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, UK. Hello, Australia. Hello, Germany. The cut line is injecting itself into country after country, state after state, city after city. We are just too hot to handle, too cold to hold. The cream of the crop always rising to the top. The constantly refreshing, invigorating, hysterical, and never, ever willing to quit cut line. That cut line. That good. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. We are just amazing. We reek of awesomeness. What is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? I guess it's all that pump and, pump and dump. I'm Mike Kev Lunas at Lunas on Twitter, host of The Cutline, curator of CutlineGolf.com, and your go-to source for PGA information and breakdowns. Make sure you guys are checking out CutlineGolf.com and what we have to offer, including our recently super hot Vegas page. So those of you that do have a sports book, don't sleep on our picks. We have hit on four outrights this season, hit on list last weekend, and we got our round two four-man parlay. We nailed it. You know what else we nailed? Last weekend's slate for DraftKings. Big shout out to longtime listener, maybe an OG listener, Ryan Kaiser. Took down fourth place in the $33 single entry for a massive 4K. My guy, Ryan Kaiser, man. We usually hate you guys up in the up in the northern part of Minnesota, but hey, when you win, we win. Right? That's what we love. This week's show is brought to you by Golf Goons. Before we go there, though, I want to give a shout out to my man, Bore on the Floor. Guy's awesome in the Discord channel on Golf Goons, so make sure you give him a DM if you're part of Golf Goons. Now, if you're not into NFTs, not into cryptocurrency golf goons is your go-to source to make it fun invigorating new different give you confidence what you're purchasing and plus it's like owning a real life player look if you want jordan spieth go trade for him buy him you can bargain for him right now patrick reed he's out there justin thomas morikawa i have some neiman that i love can't wait for him to crush a tournament this year because guess what Golf Goons pays you out when you have those players, right? You got the Thursday version, you're splitting it with four guys, but so what? Who doesn't like cash? Sunday, 
your Sunday solo, man. You're taking it all down. Golf Goons is the way to go. Go to at the Golf Goons on Twitter. Join the Discord. Join the program. Get in while the getting's good, right? Once this thing blows up, owning some of these things is going to be damn hard. Damn hard. But still time, guys. Still time. So oh, let's do it. Good, bad, the ugly for the uh, farmers. The good. Luke List. Okay. Very easily said. You know, we won massive on him with the outright. Got lucky on it. Got lucky on it. Zalatoris just couldn't putt, right? He looked brutal on the dance floor, but so what? Um, we'll take luck when we get it. And had him in DFS too. One of our, you know, as, a, as kind of like one of our core plays and core additions to our lineup. So that helped and helped us cash and smash. The bad Zalatoris, man. Luke List and him were tied with like six holes to go. Six holes to go, and and you're tied with a guy who's not even golfing anymore, and you just putt like trash. So um, I feel bad. I know a lot of guys had outrights and got him live at really good number, and it's too bad Zalatoris couldn't pull through it. Like even in the in, in the playoff, like it just didn't feel like it was gonna happen, and it kind of sucked. But um, going to the ugly. That would be the ownership of Tony Finau. We should have known better, right? The guy was like incredibly owned, top 9K play. You look at that 9 and 6K range, anyone who's got ownership like that, you kind of tend to fade it. And he missed he missed the cut, right? It looked brutal. Um, I had him as a core play, and then looking back at it in hindsight, you know, ownership-wise, I should have been smarter. But whatever. That's it. That's the Farmers. We're on to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. That cut line is here to bring you in-depth analysis of said tournament. And we're going to do the best we can. Oh, and remember, next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and uh, wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. To make sure that you're cashing big on Sunday, in addition, we'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to be sure that you're creating your best lineups, winning lineups, lineups that are smashing and cashing and crashing those GVPs, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names and scoring big with everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line. But this weekend, the cut line is on a Sunday, so kind of, uh, kind of embarrassing. Now, before you guys build those DFS lineups, you need leverage, right? I know I'm going to be checking out Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com. And even with my own personal ownership projections, Fanshare's opinion is probably the most important. They provide the best ownership projections in the industry, hands down. Hands down. So if you're not subscribed, very easy fix. Go to FanshareSports.com, discount code, write cutline, and you'll receive 20% off your membership. Ownership is a leverage not to be belittled. This week, we head out to Cali for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Three courses, no cut line until Sunday. Keep that in mind. You're going to need 6 of 6 if you plan on winning those GPPs, and the 6 of 6 is potentially high. And um, to be honest, guys, you need the 6 of 6 this weekend. Just It's, it's, it's no, no questions asked, even with three days of golf. Um, the golf courses, Spyglass Hill, Monterey Peninsula, and Pebble Beach. God, I would love to golf all three. No joke, but we got no shot link data and two. We're going to take you home, get you into this, and break it down. So many will argue that as professional golf fans, we've grown past the pleasures of watching our favorite celebrities tee it up with our favorite PGA pros, but not this weekend. 
If you're an A-lister, nay, a B-lister, nay, a D-lister, you're here. Ugh. Amateurs have no place in modern golf, but here we are, 2022, we still have pro-ams, whatever the case may be, it's annoying. But let's break these puppies down. Three courses will play host to the PGA Tour this weekend at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Pebble Beach is, of course, the host. And then Spygas Hill in Monterey will be seen once by each player and amateur in the first three rounds. Now, due to this, a cut will not occur until after the 54 holes have been played. Now, the nicest aspect of this Pro-Am is these courses can deliver some severe challenges thanks to weather and setup. Yet the courses will not be set up to that level necessarily because it is a pro-am. We need to abide by all those amateurs. The courses have very small greens. The rough can get long, but we won't see it too bad here for amateur success. And these greens are POA, and they run extremely, extremely slow. Um, course history and tournament history is probably going to play a massive part in the selection process and as well as the sports book. So make sure you're keeping an eye on ownership and taking advantage anytime you can leverage the field in a multi-entry tournament. Pebble Beach is going ahead, like we mentioned, small greens. Potentially the small screens we will see on tour this season. Spyglass, which if the weather plays out, is often much more difficult of any course of the three in the rotation. If the wind dissipates, the course will help those that can drive the ball further the most. Now, while it's played more difficult in years past, it really shouldn't deter you from rostering players here at showdown lineups. You're not that getting that kind of advantage. Monterey, of course, is the easiest of course, and while it was removed from the tournament last year due to COVID restrictions, we'll see the short course where players could take advantage of the par 5 scoring abilities. Weather forecast, looking forward, the wind is not going to be overly excessive until Saturday, and even then it's not that bad, 16 miles per hour. Nuggets and tidbits, small greens will mean we see plenty of missed greens in regulation. Approach and around the green could be a potential leveraging place here. You want to get different, ignore the solid POA putters. You want to get even more different, ignore the fairway accuracy. These are less than driver courses in both Pebble and Monterey measure less than 7,000 yards. Uh, well, Spyglass is about 7,000. Anyways, the point being, they're clubbing down. Avoid the fairway accuracy. Avoid it. Just avoid it completely. You'll be better off for it. Uh, if you're betting this weekend, bank on a hole-in-one. you got great odds. Hole-in-one distribution records since 1984. 13 times a hole-in-one was not recorded over that 37-year span. Lastly, bank on no playoff because since its inception, the winner was only decided by playoff 11 times. So odds are in your favor. In terms of most dial-in approach shots based on Pebble Beach, most of our shots come in from that 100 to 125 range followed by a solid 125 to 200-yard range depending on what we're looking at. Past winners include Berger, Taylor, Mickelson, Potter, take last year with a grain of salt. You were missing one of the courses. Key stats I'm looking at, strokes gain, tee to green, approach, greens and regulation gain, strokes gained around the green, birdies gain, and strokes gained par five. And then similar courses, La Quinta, Craig Ranch, Port Royal, TPC San Antonio, and any kind of pro-am history that we're looking at here because these are long fucking rounds. Anyways, question is, who are we going to play this weekend? Two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. This is the Cutline's Birdie or Better segment where we break down each tier of golfer, starting from that top tier, $11,200 Patrick Cantley tier, 
all the way down to your 6k range. So let's start off with these 10ks and Cantlay. We're looking at Zalatoris, Burger, Jordan Speed, Patrick Cantlay, and I really don't have an issue with any one of these guys. First of all, we'll start with Patrick Cantlay. The guy's been dominant. Dominant. There's a reason he won Player of the Year last year. Ninth at the American Express. Fourth at the Century Tournament of Champions. Right? He... As course history here, that's just impeccable. Third last year, 11th the year before that, 35th in 2018, 48th in 2017. You look at the stats we love. Ball striking, solid. Approach, 21st in the field. In terms of 2022 stats, yeah, we're looking at those. Where he does struggle, though, which could give you caution, and that's just for 2022, as he struggles around the green. He does rank 64th in the field and strokes gained around the green. But, I mean, the guy's just a scorer. There's a reason he's elite play. So, if you fade Patrick Cantlay, you know, do so at your own risk. There's tons of upside, especially at 11200 And I think you can get different enough in those lower pricing tiers to make him a valid play. Looking at Willie Z, the question you got to ask yourself last weekend, you know, ownership is going to grow higher by the end of the week, right? He's at, he's at 11-12%. Second place last weekend, played in the playoff, played awesome, played amazing. The issue is, is the putting going to continue to be that abysmal right i mean poa is just a terrible putting surface for him but everywhere else he looks good right he's a ball striker he's awesome in approach first in the field in 2022 you know things that make you cautious though 55th in 2021 68th in 2018 He's in great form though. Second place, sixth place, the American Express. I see you keep riding him. You don't want to wave the, you don't want to miss the wave. If you don't want to play him in DFS, bet him. Right? Bet him. But that, you know, there is some cause cause for concern there. Last year's winner, Daniel Berger, is most definitely a withdraw risk, because it seemed like he was nursing a hip injury, maybe a leg injury, back injury, something. Last weekend, um, Rob G reported he was kneeling for putts, trying to line him up. I don't think he normally does that. So he's most definitely a withdraw risk or even a potential like mid-tournament withdraw risk. I'm going to stay away from Berger this time. I can most definitely see him being like a leverage play um, if people are going to continue to go that route. Right now, ownership is like upper 20%, according to Fanshare Sports. So it doesn't seem like people are too scared of that, but um, tread cautiously. Jordan Smith. Guy who rounds it out. I know a lot of guys don't love Spieth. Um, really, to be honest, a lot of his strokes gain stats since his like kind of turnaround from last year have gone way down. Um, missed the cut at the Farmers. Not really a course tailored for him. But, you know, there are things about his game that are necessarily strong here. Like, he's a decent ball striker, right? He's, he's pretty solid around the green. So, if he's missing the greens on approach... He's a solid fallback option. I think people are going to fade him. And if that's the case, you could potentially take a leverage spot in GPPs and roster him. Um, of these four, though, he's probably my least favorite. Do I necessarily say that you don't play him? No. I think you have to roster Jordan Speed, especially if you're doing 150 max, just to get different. And right now, you don't need a lot. Um, projected at about 6-7% ownership. I'm sure that'll change by the end of the week. But still... A lot of upside there that you could see with Spieth. Um, he's won on tour before. I don't know. Kind of iffy play, right? Kind of an iffy play. He just doesn't necessarily look so solid this year so far. 
the 9K range, everyone's going to look at Jason Day's history at 9,900, and they're going to say, well, that's some really good damn history here. 7th, 4th, 4th, 2nd, 5th. But is that going to be enough to sway the masses to play Jason Day at 9,900? That's a lot of money to swallow for Day, who's a back injury away from a withdrawal. Third place last weekend at the Farmers. It's key to point that out. All right, third place last weekend at the Farmers. Solid in approach, solid in scoring. He looks really good there. In terms of Vegas, he was 21, 20 to 1 outright. Ownership has him lower double digits around 12, 10 to 12%. He's got the best course history here in terms of DraftKings scoring, in terms of all of it. So kind of hard to say no thank you to, to, to Jason Day. All right, Ma- Maverick McNeely. He's going to be massive chalk at the end of the day. And if this is the case... I'm going to take some risk and say, no, thank you. I'm going to hope that he falters. Having said that, fourth place average finish over the last two years, second and a fifth, right? He made the cut last weekend, got third place, 27th the the weekend before that. Um, Has not missed a cut since, I think, the Shriners. And that that was, you know, early in the fall swing. so, So not so far away. He opened up 28-1 to um, to start that off. One thing I like about McNeely, though, he does rank 12th in my confidence model, 5th in my aggregate model, but 34th in the overall stat model. So that's why I tried cautiously with him because of all these guys, other than Matt Fitzpatrick, and we'll get to him in a second, he is like one of the outliers that just doesn't rank high in this range. So Justin Rose, not going to talk too much about him, but I am going to talk about Cameron Tringale. I was very, very bullish, I'm sorry, bearish on Tringale. I thought last year was kind of a fluke. And and you're talking to the guy who loves watching him play. But I'm waiting for this other shoe to drop, and it doesn't seem like it's really going to. Tringale seems to have figured it out, and I think we will continue to see that this week. Famous last words, right? He's... He's six of my projections for the weekend, all right? On similar courses, 21st in projections. Eighth in my aggregate model, six in my overall stat model, five, fifth in my confidence model. He's decent at putting, can score, can play an approach. We're putting the driver away, so what would probably be his biggest liability is going away. Um, in 2022, he's middle of the field in terms of strokes gained, uh, scrambling in terms of scrambling in terms of green greens and regulation and then strokes gained around the green he ranks in the top 20 things I like to see on par fives 10th in par fours 22nd course history here he missed a cut but last year finished in seventh again the year that he really turned it around last weekend third I'm gonna be big on Tringale this week I I, I just think I need to ride this wave while I still can um, but it's he's not getting the ownership that I thought he would right now. He's only at like 14%. So that might raise up to like 16 and I could swallow that pill. If we're at 20%, no thanks. But you know, that's kind of where we're at with Cameron looking at the next guy, Seamus power and power is not going to pop necessarily like in Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric. But you look at his 2022 stats and in the ones that we're considering, strokes gained around the green, par fives, par fours, scoring, um, ball striking, approach, greens and regulation, he's dominant. But then you look at his course history. 
Seamus Power has a best finish of 38th with two missed cuts. So you're going to have to take a stand. Power's 34 years old. Do you want to roster a guy that, you know, with one win on tour, which I like to see, you know, when, when we're looking at these guys who, who we're kind of suspect about, but the, is a Nevada resident. Right, so it's not like the West Coast golf is foreign to him. Nevada's different than California. Don't get me wrong, but don't you dare tell me he doesn't hop over to Cali to play some golf. So I'm going to take some risk. I'm going to totally absorb the Seamus power play. Ha, that's funny. Um, going down to Streelman. Streelman's going to be popular because of his course history. There, there's no denying that. And then of course Kisner. Kisner at nine thousand, which I think is mispriced, but. You know, that's a part that we haven't seen him for a couple weeks, but he played so well at the Sony, played so well at the Century. I'm going to continue to ride that wave, even though his course history doesn't show, like, top five upside. He did have a top ten in 2017. Now on to Chalky, Matthew Fitzpatrick. No, I'm not falling into this trap. I fall into it way too often, far too often. I, I can't not do it. Cannot do it. God, we should have brought can't do it back because because Matt Fitzpatrick would be number one for me on there. Like I just can't. The guy's never won on tour. He's never won on PGA tour. All right, and I get it. He's twenty six years old, but he doesn't play well on scoring courses. He doesn't score enough. That's not his game. That's not what he excels at. You're going to tell me that come Sunday, we're going to see Matt Fitzpatrick competing competing shot after shot, competing for a top five. No. It's not going to happen. Matt Fitzpatrick can't do it. Won't do it. Can't do it. All right. 8K range. Let's take a look. The 8K range is interesting because this week we do have a guy ranked in 8K, but Ownership, once again, is pretty balanced. You're not having any guy that's really kind of standing out in terms of like must own plus play. So this is where your research is going to come in. And we're going to go over a couple guys. And the first one is Ryan Palmer. Now, Palmer is brutal on POA and he's suspect around the green. So if you are going to play Ryan Palmer, by all means, be conscientious of that, that it could really burn you that he'll miss the cut on Sunday. Now, recent form says no, right? He's 16th at the Farmer's. 12th at the Sony Open. He's looking actually pretty solid in terms of scrambling and approach, but again, struggles around the green. It's been a historical problem. He's missed two cuts historically here at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, specifically in 2019 and 2017. So I'm going to go and probably not roster Ryan Palmer this weekend, but I understand if people are going to do so. Lanto is going to be really popular. He's going to pop in everyone's model. There's no denying that. But the guy that I really like is Bez right underneath him at 8,700. So his approach play and par five plays are the key here. If he can dominate those par fives, right? If he can dominate those par fives, I love Bez. Now, the thing that you're managing, there's no tournament history for Bez. There just isn't, right? He hasn't played here. The, the South African is just hasn't played here. But you look at my projections for the weekend for a guy who's 8,700, he ranks inside the top 10. You look at my confidence model, number 12. Overall stat model, number 17. Questions about putting on POA, I get it. But this is really slow surface. So I'm not too concerned about that. 2021 stats, where 
Bez excelled in this field, and this is for 2021, was around the green, right? We were curious about his approach play. But if we look at 2022, all right, Bez ranks ninth in approach this year. Conversely, brutal around the green. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for Bez. Now, he has made five of six cuts this year. And we've seen three straight made cuts with a 46th, 40th, and 17th place finish at the Sony, the American Express, and the Farmers. I like Bez here. It's a change of venue, smaller greens, hoping the approach play and these greens and regulation and, and everything that he's kind of dialed in right now continue. You look at the fact that he's 10th in the field in par fives. He's 37th in par fours. Like, this is the perfect GPP play. He's going to be low-owned, potentially sub-10%. Um I can't guarantee that, you know, Bez fits this mold here, but without course history, people are going to fade it. They don't trust it. Take advantage. Take advantage. Bez is a great 27-year-old golfer who has plenty of upside, and, you know, you you just never know what you're going to get from these South Africans on this course. You just really don't. So next guy we're going to mention, Mackenzie Hughes. I think he's a high-risk play, but we do have top 10 finish here, so we've seen the potential before for for kind of like that upside that Mackenzie Hughes has. I don't know, though, if I'm going to be buying in because right now you got to manage whether or not that scoring we see for 2022 is real or not. Um, red flags I see on Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric, which you can find at fanshiresports.com. He's in 70th, ranked 70. But you look at 2022 stats... First in scoring, 10th in around the green, 25th in scrambling. Suspect in approach, but you know what? He's dominating those par fours. He ranks 11th overall. Um, and ninth in birdie average. And that's for 2022. So I, I do think there's a lot of upside here with Mackenzie Hughes. You look at 2021, and, and those numbers don't don't match up. And, and I'm sure that these numbers will go back down. But maybe he's just hot right now. And if that's the case, you need to take advantage of it. So looking at, though, his course history... Ooh, we have that top 10 finish followed by three missed cuts. And, of course, we missed the cut last weekend. So high risk for sure. Next guy we're going to mention, a guy we played last weekend we were pretty high on is Mito, and we're going to go right back to him. Um, solid approach, looks great in the model, but we got no turn- tournament history. Um, Mito right now, if we look at him last weekend, he's coming off that uh, 25th place finish. So I think there's plenty of upside for him to take advantage. 2022 stats. Fifth in approach, all right, but he is struggling around the green. But looking at his overall stat model, he's a solid approach player. He's a solid scorer. Um, suspect on pulling, but a pull up putting. And then my overall stat rank is where I get cautious. He ranks 95th. But in the confidence and aggregate model, 31st and 30th, respectively. So there's plenty of upside there for Mito. Again, a GPP play. If that ownership keeps rising, though, like somewhere 20, like 14%, 16%, 18%, I'm probably going to end up passing if that's the case because you're just getting too high for a guy that's $8,300 and that's just lining itself up for a disaster. So the last plot spot I want to mention is Matt Jones. It's most definitely a potential leverage spot because he's never really been much of a scorer on tour, yet the courses are so easy due to the pro-am, so you might be able to get away with Matt Jones here. I just don't know if we're going to get that from him this weekend right um we have seen the fifth place finish right in 2020 but beyond that 34th 53rd miscut and 23rd 
Um, missed two cuts in a row after finishing in third at the century. So you got to be questioning whether Matt Jones is ready for this, if his game is ready for this. Um, I would find him suspect to say the least, but projections are going to love him. I don't know if I'm going to have much Matt Jones. I just don't love him in this spot. And I think that you can get way different down here in this 7K range. So let's break it down down in the uh, 7Ks. So the 7K range is interesting, right? And we're going to start right away with Michael Thompson. All right, he he's... He he really hasn't excelled this year at the skills needed for success at this course, this tournament, this season. Now, most models long-term will show that success, but I would really tread carefully. Historically, he struggled with approach, and his ownership honestly could blow up here. So that's why I'm kind of like staying away from Michael Thompson. Um, talking at that 11th place finish at the farmers and then the fifth at the sony but you know split that with the american express where he missed the cut so in 2022 he's looking really good um he's he's decent around the green but he's questionable at approach and if that's the case on these smaller greens i'm not going to be buying that especially even last year he was 61st in the field in 2021 in approach so tread cautiously in this next grouping of the 7k guys aaron ray russell knox glover kirk uh mean lee you're looking at, they're, they're just not showing a lot right now to have full confidence in them. So if you are going to roster the, one of those five guys, make sure that you tread cautiously, take a look at ownership, make sure you leverage appropriately. Oh, breaking news, Zalatoris is withdrawn. Withdrawn from the tournament. Thank you, COVID-19 explains his putting. All right, continuing on, we're going to look at Matt Kuchar at 7,600. He opened at 60 to win. So that's promising, yet... He isn't historically dominant here, regardless of the fact that he doesn't hit long. He's 44 years old, doesn't hit it long, so, so like I just said, that helps. I think he can stay in the mix, yet right now he's looking like he's going to be one of the top-owned plays in the 7K range. So do you really want to own a piece of that, if that's the case? Right? I, I Not for me. Not for me. I'll leverage different where elsewhere, and where I'm going to go is to Keith Mitchell. Now, that could flip-flop, right? Keith could end up becoming majority-owned. But missing the cut at the Farmers and suspect course history, I think, is actually going to drive his ownership down in the long run. But we'll see what happens. It's it's Keith Mitchell, and people just tend to roster him, right, because we know the upside that he has. But you look at his course history, 2018, 47th, miscut, 2020, 32nd, and then fouled out with a miscut. But in 2022, the stats look good, minus his approach play. His approach play is just grotesque right now. He's the 80th in the field for 2022 rankings and stats. But historically, he's not bad. Like in my approach model, he ranks number 49. In my putting model, though, which is pretty hilarious, he ranks 148th. So overall stat model, 23rd. I think there's plenty of upside there to take advantage of. I, I Mitchell's in play. Now, the next guy I'm going to mention is Joel Dahman. I hope ownership stays down. I've been bearish on him, but I'm ready to jump back on. I, I just think this is a spot where... Tons of people don't get Domin right. And I think the ownership here goes down, and we could take advantage of the fact that we are going to see Joel for three rounds, and then potentially that made cut on Sunday. Domin here is unique, right? He's projecting 35th, like top projection for the weekend, which I like to see. Overall stat model, he's 35th. Aggregate ranking 11th. Confidence ranking number 16. Solid in approach. 
you know, where I'm concerned for him specifically, obviously, is around the green game right now, which is abysmal. Missed the cut last weekend, but he's never missed a cut here. 60th last year, top 20 in 2020. Didn't play in 2019, 55th and 48th. So there's some real potential to take advantage of Joel Dahman, low-owned Joel Dahman. I think you should most definitely do so. Chez Rebby's going to be ownership, like high ownership, probably because of his course history. He's got a top five finish at his second place, and then three straight made cuts after that. He is coming off a made cut, but finishing 70th doesn't look very good. Going down to Nick Taylor, Pat Perez. These guys are shining in my models, and Pat Perez actually is like exploding in my models. He ranks 15th overall at 7,300. So I most definitely will be rostering some Pat Perez, and he's one of those guys that just never fits the mold. And I think he's got a lot of GPP upside. Ownership might be a little bit up because of the sixth place finish last weekend. But 26th, two missed cuts, 35th and 14th, dating from 2021 back to 2017. So I like Perez here. Potential advantage or potential things to take advantage. Now, Troy Merritt is seems to be a name that's coming up quite a lot. And I don't know. I don't know if he necessarily deserves the love that he's getting, especially when you consider his course history, especially when you consider this price point. I mean, I have about a high miscut percentage of 47%, which is very high for the, for the seven K tier, but I do think he's worth the risk. I do. Um, ownership coming in at about seven, eight percent which I think is pretty high for a guy of, of his caliber of golfer. Um, I'm not necessarily going to say go all in on Troy. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily say like kind of leverage the field and, and overextend yourself. But I, I mean, there is tons of up, upside, right? He he ranks 50th in my overall stat model. But, you know, the putter can get hot. We know he can score. We know he's okay at approach. But this year he's been dialed in on approach. He's been dialed in on scrambling and where he struggled is around the green. So, of course, history is nice, right? We already talked about that, but. Make sure that keep Troy Merritt on your radar. Alex Smalley. I think he's mispriced in this spot and actually should be priced up a little bit higher. He doesn't pop anywhere, and but he does have the skills to play well here. And he's for sure going to be like a first-round leader bet for me this weekend. I got him a low cut percentage of 41%. And at $7,200, I'm most definitely going to buy into that. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> Going down to Thigala. I could see him getting talked up a bit in this spot, especially by the touts that just love playing him. Um, but there's always potential for blow up. You're going to have to decide if last weekend's tournament was just like one of something specific or if he figured something out in his game and if he's going to ride those numbers into, you know, Monterey Peninsula. Taylor Pendrith, another guy who fits that. Like, dude, the ga- he gained 1.14 strokes on approach last weekend. So I really wouldn't mind jumping on him. Like, but, like, all these guys were getting in that, like, cautious red zone, right? Because on 2022, he's been terrible at approach. He's been terrible around the green. No course history here, which is going to reduce that ownership. So, Pedrith is someone I have some some leanings towards. Stallings, Harkins, and Piercy, they're going to get ownership because these are course history guys who project well. And based on what they've done in the past, ownership will be down because on models they don't necessarily project well. But... You know, you'll see certain guys talking about, I'm sure Lee Aldrich's going to be talking about Harkins and Percy because they're top 20 in his CSR rankings. So these are most definitely guys that you need to consider. 
Then we're looking at guys like Matthias Schwab, Vaughn Taylor, Wyndham Clark, Hayden Buckley, Sig, and Spawn. And that's kind of like we're all rounded out. You know, I think, I really think Schwab and Clark are just mispriced in this range, especially when you look at their ownership and their, their odds. Um, Clark and Schwab opened at 100 to 1. And I know what you guys are saying. I mean, 100 to 1 is a big long shot, but most of these guys in these lower 7K range, and they're only 7,000, are like 125, 150 to 1. So Vegas has given them the benefit of the doubt with Clark and Schwab. So make sure you pay attention to that. Vaughn Taylor's the next guy we're going to mention at 7K. It feels like a trap, right? And I think ownership will follow suit. Right now it's at like 78%. I think that'll get to double digit ownership. $7,000 Vaughn Taylor seems not like a lot considering his course history, but stat wise, people are going to fall in love with some of those plays and they're going to roster him. And in terms of like course projection, though, he does look good. So he does fit that. I just, I don't know if I'm going to buy into that. Hayden Buckley is a guy I'm going to play all year long. You know, the, the perfect GPP play. He's, he's the Corn Ferry champ. He's going to have a roller coaster a year, first year on tour. But we're headed to a different course than what we've seen in the last two. His 22 P, 2022 PGA stats look really good so far this year to where I think he fits this course. The the fact that he missed two cuts is really going to reduce his ownership. But don't forget, he's coming off that 12th place finish at the Sony. So we're going to go back to Hayden. I understand that it's a GPP play, but we need to take advantage while before people start jumping on him more often, before his pricing goes up because he starts doing better. And, of course, people are zeroing in on Grayson Sig and their models. And J.J. Spawn, he's a California boy, so why not take advantage? That's about it for the 7K range. Looking at the 6K range, and <clears throat> oh, my. Oh, my, you got some scary names down here. But I do think and see some potential here. Armour and Redmond, both are GPB plays. Redmond gained 1.26 strokes on approach, but lost strokes around the green. So that's a cause for concern, but that's why we're playing him as a GPB play. Another option is, <clears throat> is you know, Armour. Ryan Armour is not going to pop in your models. He's just not. But there are things that Ryan Armour does well. And we've seen that here with three missed cuts, but a 20th place finish and a 47th place finish. Again, GPP play. So next guy I'm going to mention is Dylan Fratelli. I think it's mispriced when you're looking at his Vegas numbers, right? He's 100 to 1, and he's down to 6,900. So he's he's already immediately mispriced in this range when he opened up. Satoshi Kodaira is your GPP play. You know, you know, he's never put it together here to make the cut, but so far his numbers for 2022 say that this is the year he does do so. Um, it's a high risk, low leverage, 150 max play. You're going to have him in 10% of your lineups. Um, it's a sleeper, like, because nothing on my sheet is going to say you need to play Kadira. But the one thing I do like are his numbers for 2022 so far. Something is clicking right now. And I'm going to hope that it plays out in the tournament itself. Um, Brian Stewart can play here thanks to elite putting. But again, if you're going to bank on putting, good luck, right? You just got to hope you get it at the right time. But he's an elite putter, decent enough in terms of scoring and approach. Um, 2022 hasn't been kind to him. And, you know, we got three missed cuts. Last year he finished in 16th, though. But we have three straight missed cuts with Stewart. But could potentially go back to him. Nate Lashley, 6,700, two missed cuts coming in here. And so far, he's looked really rough for the year. He's struggling on approach. He's struggling around the green. And if we're saving any face, like a reason to play him, 
he does rank 22nd in the field for par fours. So if you if you think par fours are pretty important this weekend, you know, by all means, go ahead and roster him. I'm not going to go for Lashley. I'm just not on board with that. Hubbard and Viegas, strong approach, strong around the green, but they doesn't seem to translate here. At 6,700, I'm most definitely willing to take the risk on both of them. Um, Cameron Percy, course history. He's a course horse. We go down to Chase Seifert. He ranks well for 2022 in, in the overall stat model. So Seifert at 6,500. And, of course, Brian Gay. He's probably going to get a lot more love because he's made five straight cuts here, and that's what tends to happen with these 6K guys. But, again, if he stays single digits, I'm most definitely going to stay with um, Brian Gay. And then last night, Nick Watney. The guy gained the most strokes in approach last weekend but just was terrible off the tee and bad with the putter. I think that's going to come to fruition again here where you're going to have smaller greens, shorter putts, and some of those things that were, were kind of inhibiting him last weekend are going to enable him to succeed here, especially at only 6,200. And he's not getting a lot of ownership love. Um, most time we go back to him. So that's it for the 6K range. Let's take it home. Let's go. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. That is the breakdown of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Three courses. Woo! Fun times. Join us next week as we break down the Phoenix Open at TPC Scottsdale. Special thanks to Golf Goons and Fanshare Sports for sponsoring the show. Man, smashing cash, guys. Let's win it. See you Sunday. Peace.